Hi and welcome to Social Work Sorted, the podcast. I'm Vicky Shevlin. I host this podcast and I lead Social Work Sorted, an online platform for newly qualified social workers. This podcast is a resource intended to support and guide newly qualified social workers in their practice. I focus on work in children's services, but my guest episodes are relevant for social workers in all areas. If this is the first time that you are listening, then welcome. It's lovely to have you. And if you are a regular listener and you enjoy this podcast, I would hugely appreciate if you could take the time to leave a rating and a review. It makes such a difference. It lets me know what's helpful for you. And if there's ever anything that you would like me to cover in this podcast or you are interested in coming on as a guest, you can get in touch with me. All my details are in the show notes. In this episode, I talk to Wayne Reed, who is a professional officer with Baswa. We actually recorded this back in February or March, I think. Again, a couple of the episodes that are coming out recently were recorded a few months ago, so it is lovely to be able to share them with you now. And listening back to this episode, I really enjoyed this conversation. Wayne shares a lot about his journey into social work and a lot of the work that he has done with BASWA, that's the British Association of Social Workers. But we also get into a discussion about social work and media, the presence or lack of presence of social workers in high or lowbrow media and Yeah, there was so much that really made me think. We also talk about podcasts, social work podcasts, and how they can be used or misused. And as someone who has a social work podcast, that is obviously something that I'm massively interested in and want to be responsible about as well. So I hope you enjoy listening. Here it is. Thank you very much, Wayne, for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And I know we've been trying to do this for a little while, so it's nice that we could have this moment. Yeah, definitely. So for anyone listening, could you talk a little bit about your journey into social work? So your route to qualifying, your early experience, what led you to where you are today? Yes. So I began um, working for a private fostering agency. I was a placements officer at the beginning of my kind of social care career. It was a very administrative role based in the office and involved working with a team that took referrals from different local authorities across our region in Yorkshire and Humberside. And it gave me a real insight really into the different needs that children in the care system have, some of the backgrounds they come from and some of the work of social workers and other professionals and also foster carers, of course. So I got a real kind of uh, rich, deep insight right at the beginning. And I really sort of sort of was taken in by the supervising social worker role. And I thought that was something that, you know, I really wanted to do. And I thought that maybe just if I stayed at that organisation for a little while that, you know, I might get promoted at some stage. And then it sort of dawned on me that it was going to be far more complex than that and that it would require me to you know to further my education to somehow get a social work degree and i realized that at the age of i think it was around 20 or early 20s that i was that that wasn't really realistic at that time so although i still had that in mind i thought you know it's not really realistic really for me to aspire to that so that would have been around early 2000s maybe and uh, the job market was very different then and uh, 
there was lots of different opportunities within social care and criminal justice, etc. And an opportunity came to work for the probation service. And I went for an interview there. And that actually was for an administrative job to start with. But then they suggested at the interview that I apply for a probation services officer role, which was effectively an unqualified probation officer role, which I had no experience of, only the knowledge really that I gained from working at the private fostering agency. But they offered me the role of PSO. I did that working on an intensive supervision and surveillance program for young offenders. And then it just sort of went from there, really. My kind of interest in working with young people and with the public really grew. And I then went from there to work for Sheffield Youth Offending Service. And without without going into lots of detail, I then went into, in my social work student placements, I did adult mental health services, working in the community with people with long-term mental health issues. And then I also worked in child protection for my second placement, um, which I found quite difficult because I was a, a young father then by that time. I then worked with care leavers as a young person's advisor. Uh, and then I managed to achieve my dream and become a supervising social worker once I became a qualified social worker. So I came full circle to what I sort of set out to do. The organisation I worked for got taken over by another organisation and it went in a different direction really to what I got used to. I'd been working in that role for about eight years at that time. The role at Basworth came up. I thought I'd apply for that on the off chance, thinking that, you know, it wouldn't happen. But sort of my mentality has always been, you've got to be in it to win it. So we applied just that on the off chance. And it happened for me. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great ever since then. So could you talk a little bit about your role at Basware and your responsibilities around that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my responsibilities of they've kind of changed, I suppose. I mean, some bits have stayed the same, but some bits have changed since I've been at Basware. When I started out, I was supporting some national groups, specifically on mental health, criminal justice, uh, and working with students and newly qualified social workers. So I supported the Basware groups that focused on those different thematic areas. And that involved working with different social workers at different stages of their career looking at policy practice and education in, in those different areas. There were also a number of branches that I supported across the country in Birmingham and Solihull, the Northeast and so on. So it was a huge jump for me, really, from practice. And, uh, you know, I've been very vocal, I suppose, in other kind of podcasts and articles about just how big an impact that was for me you know at one stage very early on I thought I'm, I can't do this well, you know I'm not gonna be able to do this job I don't I don't really get it and um through support from colleagues and my manager you know I managed to kind of get through that in 2020 when George Floyd was murdered I suddenly sort of felt like I had a bolt from the heavens really that just pushed me into um focusing on anti-racism in social where I just felt like I woke up one morning with that front and centre and it remained that way for two years uh, or so. So I undertook a, undertook a secondment role for that period, focusing on that. And then 
piece that Conlon came to an end. I decided that I'd taken the role really as far as I could. And I reverted back to my professional officer role, which I was always doing part-time alongside the anti-racism role, but I resumed that role then full-time. And some of my responsibilities changed there when I went back. So I then began looking after or supporting the professional capabilities and development group, which oversees things like the practice educate professional standards for pets. I then began to lead more on consultations in, in regards to re- regulation with Social Work England, for example, on behalf of Basra England and so on. So uh, revert back to a more generic role, which I'm appreciative of. Does that role still exist? Is someone new in that role? Well, my colleague Chantel Thomas joined Basra early on when I began the anti-racism role as well. My role was specifically focused on England and Chantel's was UK wide. So uh, when I decided not to continue with the secondment, Chantel has continued with her role and subsumed my role effectively. Role, And of course, you know, she's making great waves in what she's doing. So as well as doing everything that you do as a professional officer with Baswa, you also run Wayne's Weekly, which is a platform for social workers an amazing resource that you send out. I mean, you can talk about it and describe it better than I can, but I subscribe to it and find as a kind of mailing list that comes through. It's just so helpful in terms of the issues that it summarizes, the articles that it points to that I might have missed in the week if I'm not checking in with things. So what made you start Wayne's Weekly? Like what were the motivating factors for you? Well, first of all, thank you for your really kind feedback there. I really appreciate that. And it's nice to hear. And that really is the main objective. It, it, Wayne's Weekly really is a byproduct of the anti-racism visionary role that I was in that I was just talking about and uh, found as part of that role that I was disseminating lots of information. It was quite sporadic and uh, looking back, I probably got on a lot of people's nerves, but I'm really grateful that um, a, a significant number of people stuck with it and, uh, you know, it sounds like it's beneficial for a lot of people who subscribe. It really grew organically out of that anti-racism work, as I was saying, and I knew when I, when, when this economy came to an end that I needed to sort of redefine myself in a way, I suppose, you know, I didn't want to be seen as just the anti-racism guy. Although, you know, I'm still very passionate about anti-racism, I'd like to think there's more to my character and identity than that. And I also felt there was a need to spotlight real news relevant to social work in terms of current affairs and I still wanted to share useful information and resources. Um, Having had such a varied practice uh, sort of experience myself, I know how busy it is for frontline social workers and other social work professionals. So I thought, you know, all of that stuff combined, how can I condense things so that people who are on the move, regardless of where they are in social work or what their role is or whatever, how could they get something from this? And so it's really just morphed into that, really. I was fortunate doing the anti-racism role that my networks kind of online grew quite exponentially. And I just thought, you know, I need to sort of make the most really of these links and hopefully helping people in whatever social work they deliver, really. For new social workers who are listening, because this podcast is predominantly for new social workers, although a lot of non-new social workers access it as well what would you say are the the 
benefits for them for subscribing to Wayne's Weekly? What will they get from it if it's something that they're not already subscribed to? Okay, I think that they would get additional or supplementary information to what they already can access from their employers or universities or maybe newsletters they already subscribe to or websites they already visit. Some of it may be duplicate, some of it may not. Some of it is duplicated in Wayne's Weekly from week to week if I feel there needs to be a particular emphasis maybe on certain things. But uh, yeah, I'd like to think that there's something for anyone who's got an interest or an investment really in social work in some way. I find it helpful because it's instead of trawling through social media, which is often then the main way that you click through to articles, it's there as a summary. So that might be just me, but I'm sure a lot of people find that as well, because then I don't need to be going via social media to get stuff. I just know yeah. that it's all in one thing. And then actually, if I've missed something the week before, I can scroll through and just think, oh, that's really helpful, which I think is like, a, you know, that's probably what a lot of people will get from it as well. I hope so. I recently did a survey of the subscribers just to get some feedback, really, in terms of how I could improve Wayne's Weekly because I was conscious it was getting lengthier and lengthier and there was trickle of, trickles of feedback from certain people where it was like you know really helpful but I'm not getting a chance to read it all so yeah there is a report that is online that kind of highlights how I've tried to make some of the changes you've talked about by highlighting things that are a bit older using colour coding basically so that people can see more at a glance things that might be relevant to them. Yeah, I saw that and I was thinking about how, you know, feedback loops in any area of, of work anyway, but in any area of social work, it's so important. And I think some things that you think oh, I'm only doing this if I'm in direct practice with people, actually things like getting feedback and listening to people and building into that, it comes into lots of different areas of social work, doesn't it? I think it does. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think it is the social worker in me that sort of made me think, yeah, I need to really hear the voice of people who subscribe and to, you know, use some of their advice and suggestions really to refine what Wayne's Weekly is like. So that sort of what you see now really isn't just from me. I'd like to feel that there is other people's contributions as well. So in your, obviously you previously specifically supported newly qualified social workers and you've done a host of different roles and working with BASWA on wider thematic things. For you now, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges for new social workers? Yeah, there's, there's a few, I think. Well, the working conditions, I think, primarily, in that, you know, it's well documented that there's increased levels of, of need across the board from different people who access services. There's been reduced funding for 13 years in terms of austerity. So that's had a real impact, really, I think, on recruitment and retention of social workers. That also goes hand in hand with kind of layers of bureaucracy in terms of actually getting the role done and the amount of paperwork involved and time spent in front of a laptop, etc. COVID, of course, compounded that. So, you know, working conditions, I think, is, is probably the initial shock. And it's for all newly qualified social workers. But I think the current crop or, or generation you know it, it, it's all of, of that context really to take into into account i do think the recruitment and retention issues at the moment are, are massive again that's well documented and i think that impacts really on the 
the caseloads that newly qualified social workers might have, the amount of support that they might get, and the level of expectation, I suppose, as well. So there is a, a sort of tension there. And I guess at this point, you know, I'd like to just promote BASWA in terms of the support that we can, can provide as well to newly qualified social workers and the group that I mentioned. There's also the challenges and realities of relating theory to practice, I think, and vice versa, which is a sort of perennial issue. And it was something that I, at an early stage of my career, when I was qualified, had to also manage and overcome. But again, as I said, the current climate, I think, provides unique challenges in some ways for newly qualified social workers. And finally, I think the current socio-political, socio-economic context, this significant threats to social justice through immigration policies, challenges to human rights, and disproportionately negative outcomes for black and ethnic minority people right across the board, cost of living. You know, I don't want to harp on too much, but hopefully I give a perspective, I guess, on how I see some of the challenges for newly qualified social workers. But I don't think it's all doom and gloom as well. I think there are some positives and I think the pandemic um, enabled social work to develop new innovative ways of working of delivering training, uh, also online and accessing uh, developmental resources, including online communication, social media, which we've talked about, and the general use of IT. I mean, I can remember when I was in practice, my knowledge of IT wasn't anywhere like it is now, really. I feel some of that has just been by necessity of how I've had to work, really, and I think there's quite a few social workers who that applies to. I also feel the values and ethics of social work in terms of social justice have really shone over the last few years in terms of the COVID response, but also the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, post-George Floyd, um, resilience in cost of living crisis, and all of the other kind of challenges that I talked about. I think there's a real kind of resilience also that social workers and the profession have shown in pushing through that and also some of the robust responses to social work reforms which are on the horizon in terms of the children's social care review and social work education you know i think social work has, has kind of demonstrated again really just how resilient a profession it is yeah i agree with that i was thinking when you were saying that that and it's not i don't want to offer too much comparison but social workers amongst other public services worked throughout the pandemic nobody clapped <laughs> and yeah. not that the clap not that the clapping actually meant anything when you see the, what the government mm. are doing to the nhs but yeah. that's for another day but mm. nobody clapped it's very thankless it's there's so much stigma around that and and yet social workers continued through it and i was thinking that people don't do things just to get a thank you but also we know in terms of morale appreciation is exactly. you know is can be huge can't it so in terms of some of those challenges what do you see if any of some of the solutions to those things if you were in charge what would you do <laughs> well it depends what you mean by in charge I suppose do you mean in charge of social work or if I was prime minister or what, what do you mean how much power have yeah you that's too much yeah that's a big question isn't it <laughs> I don't know maybe I'll give you the magic wand that we're not supposed to ever give to anybody because it's uh, 
it's not a real <laughs> a tangible thing we can do okay well if it's a magic wand i think first and foremost i would look to replenish social work in terms of funding that it's been starved of as i say for 13 years in my opinion secondly in terms of working conditions you know i think there's a lot that could be done in working environments to make them a lot more supportive for social workers and the people that we serve so so yeah there's quite a lot i'd, I'd want to do with the magic wand really i think i'd also uh, i'd also want to allocate a large amount of money to raise the profile of the profession and to do that in creative ways I've talked before in sort of other forums, other spaces about um, kind of the public profile of social work and how, for example, other public services, such as the police or nurses, NHS, etc. You know, they've had lots of TV programmes for years and years and years that are just embedded really in the public psyche around what those roles entail, you know, different aspects of the role, the good, the bad and the ugly, I suppose. And I just feel social work has never had that level of exposure. And I think that could go a long way to not only, excuse me, educating the public about what social workers do, but also raising awareness around some of the issues that, you know, we have to deal with and what the challenges are, et cetera. So yeah, you know, ready and waiting for the magic wand, please, Vicky. (laughs) Yeah, that's why we don't use it in practice. Too vague, isn't it? It's not specific enough just to say have a magic wand and what would you do? I think that's so important though what you say about the the public profile in television and media those public services are embedded aren't they into the framework of society or and that it's not the case for social work in any way is it they're just social workers on tv are the people that come in and take a child with no context and no understanding. Yeah, very stereotypical and, uh, you know, I'm someone who's grown up, I suppose, watching quite a bit of TV for different reasons. I suppose TV has almost been educational for me in a lot of ways as a younger person. And, you know, programmes like The Build, for example, I used to love. And at school, we did a, a project around The Bill, right from the opening sequence to what happened in certain ep- episodes. And I just think that level of exposure and scrutiny and kind of, you know, kind of, insight really for people in terms of social work could be so beneficial but i appreciate that there's far more pressing things to be spending financial resources on at the moment than than that you know but in an ideal world i think it's something that could do a lot of good yeah and it's i'm going to go on a tangent on this now but it's it's (laughs) not even that those things come from the profession those things come from people creating drama you know people who want people to watch stuff and it is interesting that there isn't anything about social work given the depth of what you know that comes from real life and even programs that kind of I'm going to go on a massive tangent now even programs that like you said pull apart those professions sometimes or criticize you know like line of duty type things they still they still humanize the characters so you can connect with this person is part of this system but this person is a person yeah 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 and and why has no one ever really done that for social work i mean you know it's something i think at a later point in my career it's certainly something i'd like to explore but when you compare a lot of the TV programmes that exi- have existed, you know, I think of Casual Tapes, another one that I used to watch a lot of back in the day uh, as well. 
And I suppose I'm talking a lot about dramas there, you know, courtroom dramas, etc. I mean, I really liked Silk as well, which was uh, set in a courtroom. Um, I suppose they're all dramas, but there are other genres um, that your social work could be covered in as well. And I just think there's a real trick that's being missed there, personally, that could be win-win all around if we were able to explore it. Yeah, but it it is interesting because it's about things that are considered highbrow or lowbrow, but actually television is is part of modern culture isn't it so yeah that's just got me thinking now that one I won't just (laughs) carry on talking about tv (laughs) what I I wanted to ask is because I suppose you do so much in terms of collating articles and writing in relation to social work so you do a lot of reading over different publications and filtering through those things I'm interested in how you have seen social work and the media and publishing presence of social work change over time and whether you've seen any themes or trends in terms of what you're reading through. Okay. Well, yeah, certainly expose myself now, I suppose, to a lot more information. And again, I think some of that is probably from the anti-racism role, that it kind of politicised me, I suppose, in a way, and opened my eyes to a lot of different things that feed into, you know, racism. And uh, so with Wayne's Weekly being a byproduct of that, uh, again, that's broadened my, uh, broadened my exposure to different types of media, as you say. What I've seen change, I suppose, is that, you know, there's a lot more podcasts, including this one, <laughs> which is good to see. And I think that's a good thing. And I'm all for kind of different learning styles, I suppose, which I've spoken about in the past in terms of edutainment, a combination of education and entertainment. And I think from people around me in my orbit, what they've said in their own experiences is that podcasts, for example, it provides a different type of immersive learning that maybe we didn't use so much or have really in the past. Whereas now it's... uh, um, it's entrenched, I think, isn't it, really? Not just in professional life, but in personal life as well, which is a good thing. I mean, obviously, there's some good podcasts and some others that, you know, are not so great. But yeah, overall, I feel that it, it's just great that you can go and walk the dog and be sort of educating yourself or raising your level of awareness around something. So you don't have to give it 100% thought, but you can still be benefiting from new information. So I like the sort of different learning styles sort of type of media nowadays. As I say, that I don't feel was as apparent or present previously. And, you know, no one format is best or correct or right. They're just different horses for different courses, I suppose, really. And uh, I like that there's that choice and control that people can have, really, over the kind of, kind of media that they consume in relation to social work. In terms of writing... Over the last few years, I've, I think I've seen the type of writing evolve and diversify. Overall, I think it's sort of less pretentious and more relatable now. Obviously, social workers come from all different walks of life, and I feel that current writing styles, because of social media, because of online resources, that, yeah, they tend to be less pretentious and more relatable. And there's now multiple platforms that people can subscribe to and access and digest social work media. And so that choice and control really is really important in how people want to consume their information. Social media is a boom factor. 
but it has sort of covert and overt pitfalls, I think. And I've gained a lot of knowledge myself, really, about um, sort of different schools of thought around many different issues from people inside and outside of social work, but it can be a minefield. And I'm mainly thinking about the misinformation that can sometimes be spread. But you also get cowardly sort of trolls, unfortunately, as well, I think, who sort of hide behind anonymity just to be nasty. So there's some ups and downs. Yeah, I think I think generally that's that's my take on it, really. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in the regulation of information. I think being conscious that I, you know, I speaking from having a podcast that if I'm sharing an advice or a recommendation, it's no different than I would do it if I was in practice with a student or a newly qualified social worker. And it's it's mm-hmm. underpinned. I, you know, I know that it's underpinned by learning and experience and and research and theory, even if on the surface you're not going to go into that in a podcast episode. But on the flip side, anybody could do that. And I could be yeah. I could be wrong. And some, you know, I always say that what I do is as well as not instead of because I don't want one social worker to say, well, that, that's exactly what you do type of thing. So I, I mean, I almost this is like the risk of me even doing a podcast because yeah. anybody could do that, really. Yeah, I, mean, I think I don't know if I'm asking to be regulated, but do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, I, th- I think about it a lot because it's important. And the more you know that people listen to things or read things as you might have with Wayne's Weekly on writing that you've done it's interesting it's not saying we'll only we should only listen to these voices or we shouldn't listen to these voices it's interesting I suppose the more that is published in terms of the media around social work if that increases it's interesting to to think about where it will go and like you say there's there's positives and negatives to it isn't there there is there is I think um... Like you say, I think there's a balance, isn't there, between accountability, responsibility and, you know, the scrutiny, really, that, that you have. So I think the the best podcast host, in my experience, are like you've just described, really, that they are conscious of those things. And, you know, there is a kind of a, a sort of declared recognition that they might not always be right or this is their particular position on things you know, some sort of disclaimer, I guess, not professing to be right all of the time. I think those are are really the best sort of people who occupy the space, in my opinion, at the moment, who are more inclined to to listen to. I think it's good that social work media is more responsive and uh, vocal about political decisions and policy direction as well that shapes our profession and the people we serve and society more generally. We've got a lot more diverse social workers from different backgrounds talking about policy practice and education and they're coming out and talking about various issues really about you know their experiences in care or leaving care uh, poor working conditions the impact of poverty lack of resources and the social work reform agenda so you know to my knowledge that's stuff that i wasn't really privy to earlier on in my career but that really feels like it's just part of the terrain now in social work. And I think that's really positive. And then again, it's along with Wayne's Weekly, I hope all this stuff kind of raises a level of awareness and scrutiny that better informs decision-making and policy-making and galvanises the workforce. Yeah, well, I think when I've spoken to people who have been in social work much, much, much longer than me, 
and I spoke to Anne-Marie Christian one of the earlier episodes and she was saying that the amount of information that is available to new social workers or, or anyone at the moment is yeah. is huge and even you know I didn't qualify long ago at all really but even the, the shift in what is available and like you say the voices that are being heard and the voices that are speaking that's you know for all the bad of social media I think that is definitely the good definitely I agree yeah and it's just fantastic to see people as I say from diverse you know professional backgrounds but also personal backgrounds coming out and speaking about not just personal stuff but stuff that I think is so kind of immediate to social work at the moment in various ways so really positive. Okay so I asked this question to everybody at the end of every podcast if you could go back and speak to yourself as a newly qualified social worker or maybe you would even go back before then to when you first first started your first job in the fostering agency you can decide what is the advice or one piece of advice that you would give yourself that's a tough one I think there's a long list of advice I give myself let me see I think my overriding advice to myself would be don't be deterred by rejection mishaps mistakes and misfortune are good learning opportunities and always seek feedback and consider how I might do things differently next time I think that really maybe that's a few things come by I don't know but I think that's the overriding message I would give to my younger self that's good advice so for anybody listening who and I'll put all the links in the show notes as well but for anybody listening who wants to start subscribing to Wayne's Weekly who wants that summary of news and they don't need to go on social media to scroll through and waste time how can they find out more well the mailing list actually is nearly full now (laughs) masses of people on there but uh, it can be accessed via LinkedIn and you don't have to be registered or logged in to view it so I think if you read LinkedIn or Wayne's Weekly on LinkedIn, it should take you to the latest edition. It's worth emailing me just to see if there are, is a space on the mailing list, because just because it, it fluctuates so much as you can imagine, there's people coming and going a lot on it. But hopefully it's something that continues to be beneficial for people. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for coming on today and chatting. It's been really interesting, actually, loads of things that I'd not thought about that I'll be going away and thinking about so thank you well thank you for having me thank you so much for listening I hope you took lots away from that conversation lots of food for thought if it has made you reflect on a particular area or if there is something that you found interesting and want to have some further discussion about you can get in contact with me or with Wayne again I'll put all our contact details in the show notes as well as links to Wayne's newsletter that he talks about within our conversation as well. If you want to know more about Social Work Sorted you can go to the website socialworksorted.com, you can get in touch with me vicky at socialworksorted.com, you can have a look over on Instagram there are lots of posts and live videos, it's Instagram forward slash social work sorted and I'm also on LinkedIn. It would be great to connect with you if you are interested with knowing more about me, what I do and the CPD accredited training that I offer. As I do at the end of every single episode, I now invite you, if you feel comfortable, to close your eyes, slow down and enjoy a small pause in your day. Some time 
to take a focused breath in and out, lower your heart rate, take a minute of peace and know that you can come back to this at any time that you need it throughout what will most likely be a very busy day for you. Thank you so much for listening and take care.